Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. And uh, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So we thought a cool way. Andrew, what are you? We were going to do a puppet show. <laughs> hey, everybody. No, but please make sure you say hello to Pam. Uh, she's wonderful. Okay, so last weekend, Andrew kicked off a new series called The God Who Leads. And uh, he kicked it off by talking about how a big part of being a human being is making decisions. And I don't know if you remember last week, but Andrew made a comment that really stood out to me. He said that studies say that uh, we make approximately 35,000 decisions a day. Do you remember that? If you were here or like, like when I heard that, was I the only one that got a little anxious when I heard that? Because like I thought I had like three things rolling around my wee brain to find out there's 34,000, what is that, 997 more was like, a, it was a little bit jarring, but uh, life is filled with decisions, whether you are young or old, uh, we are always making decisions in, in life, family, relationships, parenting, in, uh, in business, healthy living, healthy eating, uh, spending time, spending money, uh, what we value, what we believe, what we let go of, what we grab onto. Will we have the chicken or will we have the beef? Uh, do you want fries with that? Do I buy the generic brand or do I buy the more expensive brand with the name that I cannot pronounce? Uh, do you want to purchase the extended warranty for that new electronic device? Or do you want to get uh, insurance, you know, extra insurance on your rental car or on those plane tickets? Like on and on. We are constantly making decisions, decisions, big ones, little ones that it can be. And it is very overwhelming. But be encouraged. If you remember last weekend, Andrew reminded us that one of the wonders and peace-giving truths of belonging to Jesus, of the Christian faith, is that we are connected to the one who never gets overwhelmed. We are connected to the one who always knows the way because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so in this series, we're going to be looking at uh, five ways that God guides us in life, helps us in making decisions. Last weekend, Andrew looked at the first one, commanding scripture. This weekend, we're looking at compelling spirit. Then we'll go to the council of the saints, common sense, and uh, circumstantial signs. And I want to restate something Andrew said last weekend, that uh, we purposely started with commanding scripture with that one first because it is the primary way that God leads us, right? God, it is through the Bible, it is through his word that God has clearly communicated his general will for all people. And so it's so important, Andrew said this last week, we probably say it every week, and it's so important to be reading your Bible, to have a steady diet of, uh, of God's words. That way of, of God guiding us through his scripture, through the word, really is the most objective way. As we get into the next four, they get into more areas of gray. They are less objective. And so it's so important with these next four that they, they must be anchored uh, in the word of God or go through the filter, if you will, of the word of God. So again, today we're looking at uh, the next way God guides us, and that is through his compelling spirit, through the Holy Spirit. And the Bible teaches uh, that God has revealed himself to humanity as one God, made up of three persons, and we call that the Trinity. 
God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and uh, God the Holy Spirit. And uh, uh, what we see is, you know, the Holy Spirit is not some impersonal divine force like use the force, Luke. I mean, that is not what we're talking about. The Holy Spirit is God. Just as much as Jesus, the Son is God, just as much as the Father is God. I think if we are honest, though, the challenging thing about the Holy Spirit is that he's called the Holy Spirit. And so we're, you know, in our Western minds, we're like, Father, I get that. Son, I get that. Spirit, I'm not sure if I, if I get that. I mean, uh, he's mostly invisible, at least for now, uh, and that makes it pretty challenging to imagine him, to understand him, and just his ways and how he works. So for us, in deciding, in determining what we believe about the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, where should we turn? The Bible. That's, it's either Jesus or the Bible. Those are the right answers, in, or missions, I guess, in church. But to the Bible. So the Bible, the Bible is full of uh, uh, teaching on the Holy Spirit. In fact, we see the Holy Spirit present and active at the very beginning of the Bible. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. That's such a cool image to me. Right from, from you know, the word go, the Holy Spirit is present and active all throughout the Old Testament, like what I read in creation. He's also present uh, in, in prophetic revelation. There's many stories in the Old Testament where the Holy Spirit moves on a human being and they prophesy, they speak the words of God. Or there's so many cool stories where the Holy Spirit is empowering everyday people to do amazing things. I mean, think about uh, like the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson, or the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. There's all these cool stories. And then as we get to the New Testament, uh, what we see is, is really a, a new side of the Holy Spirit, a more personal side, if you will. So if you're taking notes, number one in your notes is the Holy Spirit, God with us. Uh, in the New Testament, God the Father, you know, he sends Jesus to earth. He comes and walks among us uh, to teach us about who God is, uh, to teach us more about a new way of living. And, you know, when I think of the three-plus years that Jesus walked on planet earth, I think it would have been awesome to hang out with Jesus. I mean, how many of you are, have either watched or are watching The Chosen? It's the latest version it's the latest version of, uh, you know, the, the life of Jesus, stories of Jesus from the gospel. It's very cool. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I encourage you to check it out. But if you're familiar with that, you know, it, it's just so fun to watch the disciples experience Jesus. Like, more than just the amazing things he says, it's like the crazy, mind-blowing miracles that he does. They're like front row and center. They get to see all this, and that which would have been so cool. But then, as Jesus is nearing his... Uh, uh, the end of his ministry on earth, the time when he's going to go back to his father, he starts teaching his disciples about what was to come and that God the Father uh, was going to send, and you can see here on the screen, was going to send another advocate, another helper. And that means one who gives aid, one who gives support. So this, uh, this other advocate that God was going to send was going to come and continue the work that Jesus had started. And we primarily read this in the Gospel of John, chapters 14 to 16. 
We're going to kind of jump around in those three chapters, but I strongly encourage you uh, to read, if you haven't read them in a while, to go uh, today or sometime this week to read those three chapters because they are loaded with teaching on who the Holy Spirit is and, and, and what he will do. And in this section in John, Jesus makes a statement that would have been, uh, would have been very confusing to the disciples, to his, to his followers. Again, you know, he's coming near the end of his ministry on earth, and he's talking to his disciples like, hey, I'm going to go back to, the, to my father, basically saying, I'm going to leave you. And, and then he makes, he, he says this, <coughs> excuse me, John 16, 7. Jesus says, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, for Jesus to say it's for your good that I'm going away, like if I'd been, you know, one of the disciples, I would have been, you know, I would have heard Jesus say this and my hand would have shot up and actually, Jesus, I don't think it's a good thing that you're going away. Like, have you noticed how lost we are without you? Have you noticed, Jesus, like whenever you leave us on our own, we sort of go off the rails? I don't think it's a good thing at all. Right? Like, so just, like, just imagine this. Like, how can that be a good thing? Like, if I said this to you today, if I said, church, it is for your good that I am going away, right? Thanks, Penny. <laughs> right? Okay? Just imagine this. Pause for effect. Okay. Okay. That didn't work as well as I thought it would. <laughs> but seriously... What good would that do? I think that's a really fair question. The original uh, New Testament was originally written in Greek, and the original word used for good is sumphero, and it means to bring together, to be profitable, advantage. So when you look at what Jesus said in verse 7, another way to put it is Jesus saying to his followers, hey, followers, it is to your advantage that I'm going away. Mm. Or another way would be, my going away will be profitable for you. And I'm like, what does that mean? Well, I think, I think it means a lot of things, but one of the things it means is, is this. Imagine while Jesus was standing there saying this to them. Like, uh, you know, he's standing, he's, he's with his followers, they're somewhere outside of Jerusalem, and, you know, he, he's talking to them about the plan. He's going to go away. Father's going to send the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus is standing there, he's probably talking to like 200 plus followers. But just think about this. At the moment when Jesus is standing there with them saying that, at that very same moment, there's probably millions of people on planet Earth that Jesus is not with. Like, that's something that I, I think a lot about, is that, you know, Jesus, the Bible teaches that Jesus came to earth, he's fully God, but remember, he was also fully man, and if you're familiar with Philippians 2, you can add that to your to-read list, but in Philippians 2, it tells us that Jesus, in coming to earth, you know, he stepped down off his throne, and he laid aside whatever gave him advantage, right? And so that means Jesus was limited. Jesus got tired. Jesus, you know, got, like, was hungry and all these different things. He was very human in that sense. So Jesus was limited. So where he was was where he was. And who he was with was who he was with. He was limited. But the Holy Spirit was not, is not limited in, in any way. It's, Jesus said this in John 14, 16. He said, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, another helper, 
to help you and be with you forever. What a great promise. So, so how was his leaving to our good? How was it to our advantage? Now, God was going to come to earth in the form of his spirit, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who is able to, to be with and live in the heart of every believer, no matter where you are or, or when you are. So number one, the Holy Spirit, God with us. Number two, the Holy Spirit, our personal trainer. And again, the Bible teaches us that uh, when someone becomes a follower of Jesus, and, and what's a follower of Jesus? I mean, basically, it's any person who, who puts their belief, their trust in Jesus, and, and does their best to follow him and to follow his ways. The Bible says that, that that person, that person who has said yes to Jesus, that God now awakens that person to the Spirit of God. And it talks about it this way. It's that God removes a spiritual blindness so now that person can start to see what they didn't see before. The, you know, the presence and the activity of the Holy Spirit both in their life and through their life. Like, let me ask, who would you would say that's true? That just as you walk with Jesus, there's a growing sense of, 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 of recognizing his presence. Everyone's like, I'm not, I don't know if I want to... Uh... Okay, that's good. I'll keep talking then. That's good. But so while it's true, it's also, it's a mystery, isn't it? It's a mystery, this thing of God coming to live in us through his spirit. But, but think about this. It is what the Bible teaches, clearly teaches about the Christian life and about the Holy Spirit. He is here to continue the work that Jesus has started in us and through us. Uh, John 16, 13, Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes... He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Now, when I read that, there's, there's lots we could draw out of that verse, but what jumps out at me is, is Jesus is being uh, just so practical, so personal when he's in describing what the Holy Spirit would do. Like, like just that language. What's he going to do? You know what he's going to do? He's, he's going to come, and he's gonna, going to guide you. Take your hand and guide you. What's he going to do? He's going to talk to you. He's going to tell you. He's going he's to communicate with you. Like, I find that such an amazing promise from Jesus. Because that tells me that God knows what, you know, God knows that every day we have 35,000 decisions to make, right? Like, I mean, God knows that in this life, there are going to be many, many times where you are going to be overwhelmed, you are going to be confused, you're going to be stressed about, I don't know what to do in this situation, whether it's business or relationships or like just all the, all the stuff of life. And, and you know, what's beautiful about this promise is, is God saying, hey, I know what you're made of. I know your struggle. And what he's saying in the, in, in the promise of guidance and him, him talking with us is he's saying, hey, son, daughter, don't worry. Don't worry. In this life, you are never alone. In fact, my spirit lives in you, and he is there to guide you. He is there to communicate with you of what is to come or what you need to know. I find that an amazing promise. And in many ways, in talking about the Holy Spirit and his role, uh, it's kind of like this. Who, why don't we throw up that picture? Who has seen this? 
Have you guys seen this? This is a, this is a new product. It's called uh, The Mirror. And it is the latest technology uh, in home fitness. And Lori, let's leave it up for a while, okay? Because I, w- I want to talk a bit about it. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> but in, it's called The Mirror because you can see this, this, this uh, gentleman that's working out. You can see he can see himself in the mirror, right? But at the same time, if you look in the mirror, you can see there's a pre-recorded video of a trainer who's in the mirror. And so as you're looking in the mirror, there's a trainer right there who is guiding you and encouraging you, like, come on, you can do it. And it's like a pre-recorded video, right? Which is pretty cool. Some of you are like, no, 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 <laughs> that is not cool at all. But, uh, but here's, the, here's the cool thing. The latest version of the mirror, if you're willing to spend a bit more money, is where now the trainer in the mirror is not pre-recorded. The trainer is live. Imagine that. Right, so now you're looking in the mirror. You can see yourself. You're looking at the trainer, but there's a camera, like a, you know, like a computer. There's a camera on the mirror. These are made in Russia, by the way, but there's a camera. Okay, I know who I'm talking to, but yeah, okay. But, but, you know, but there's a camera, so your trainer can look at you. That's very personal, isn't it? And to me, that is like a start. That helps us understand the role of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your personal trainer. And when we look at verse 13 that I read earlier, the the Greek word for guide is hodageo, and it means to lead. This is what the Holy Spirit will do, to lead, to guide, to teach, to advise. I'm with you. I'm here to guide you. I'm here to, to, to communicate with you. What we prayed for Pam today, I'm here to empower you for what God has made you for now. This is a pivotal part of my, of my talk, and this is really where I'm going today. Church, if what I'm saying is true, if what we are reading in the Bible is true, well then, like in this life, what should we expect as followers of Jesus? Like if it really is true that Jesus said, you know, it's better that I go away, where now you can't see me, my really great example that you know, it was very successful. It's better that I go away so that my spirit would now come and live in you. And he's there to help you. He's there to comfort you. He's there to teach you, to guide you, to advise you, right? And, like, and, and to communicate with you. Like, if all that is true, well, then what should we expect? What should we expect in our day-to-day lives? And again, to answer that question... We, we need to turn to the Bible. And so I want to give just a few examples from the New Testament where we see the Holy Spirit doing what Jesus said he would do. So first one is this, Matthew 4, verse 1. It says, uh, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And I'm just going to draw like a sentence out of each one of these verses. But, but you know what jumped out at me there is in this whole thing in determining uh, uh, the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, you can't always base it on being led to a favorable place, can you? Like, like the Holy Spirit can lead you into a promotion. He can also lead you into a demotion. He can, you know, he can lead you to Hawaii or he can lead you to Toledo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and my name is Andrew Hudson. Okay, next one, Acts 8, Acts 8, 29. Like, look at this one, look at this one, verse 29. We're not going to get into the story, but look at the language. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot 
and stay near it. And again, if you're not familiar with that story, read. Read the book of Acts. It's great stories. But what I can't, like, look at that. Look at how specific and how in the moment the Holy Spirit is. That's pretty simple. Go over there and, and stay over there. Uh, later on in that story, Acts 8, 39. When they came up out of the water, in the story, Philip baptized this man. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. Like this one I put in just because I think it's so cool. Like what is going on? And you know, uh, uh, it's estimated on one, uh, it's on, I googled it so it's true. And it said, one, one guy estimated that Philip was teleported by the Holy Spirit 34 miles away. He was in Gaza and then moved him to this town, Azotus, which I just think is crazy, so that's why it's in there. The next one is Acts 10, 19. Now we're getting to Peter, Peter the apostle. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, he's up on his roof, he's praying, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Now, what jumped out here is, again, the Holy Spirit is speaking, but but what, what's so cool is he's speaking to Peter and he's inviting Peter into something that he's orchestrating. Because while he's talking to Peter over here, there's these guys in another town that he's talking to and he's bringing them all, uh, all together. Later on in that story, Acts eleven twelve, the Spirit told me, Peter says, have no hesitation about going with them. And again, I realize if you're not familiar with the story, it's a little unfair, but, but in the story, the Holy Spirit had asked Peter to do something with these visitors that were coming uh, he'd asked him to do something that for his whole upbringing would have been very wrong, actually. And now the Holy Spirit, what I love about that passage is the Holy Spirit recognizing that what he'd asked Peter to do was really stretching. He leans in, he's sensitive to his struggle, and he says, hey, Peter, I know, I know you're struggling with this one, but, but it really is me. So go, don't hesitate, go. Last one, uh, Acts 13, verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And again, notice that this whole thing of, you know, recognizing, hearing uh, the Holy Spirit, etc., that it was within the context of worship. They were worshiping, they were fasting, they were saying no to food on purpose. They, they were, had this focused time of prayer and it was in, within that context that the Holy Spirit came and he spoke to them and he gave them guidance. Now, also notice in the, in the examples that I read, and there's other ones we could have gone to, like uh, notice that the passages don't clearly tell us how the Holy Spirit led them or how he communicated. I wish they gave us more detail, don't you? Like, <clears throat> we, don't, we don't know if it was an audible voice. Like, we don't know if, you know, did these things just happen or was there some supernatural, like, hey, hey, you hear that? I think the Holy Spirit's, like, we don't know if any of that happened, but what we do know from those verses that I read is that, and hear this, being led by the Holy Spirit in personal ways is to be expected as the normal Christian life. That's what, what, we, what we see over and over in the New Testament. It's not just for the, you know, the double diamond, real super Christians. I mean, granted, one of them was Jesus, and granted, one of them was Peter, who was a, you know, a leader in the church. But then there was Philip. Philip was just a guy who believed in Jesus and was a follower of Jesus. And then we don't even know, in the, in the last one I read, we don't even know who they were. It was just a bunch of, it was they. 
but they were followers of Jesus. And he came and, and, and he spoke to them. And, but what we see in these passages is that interacting with the Holy Spirit seems like it was normal to them. Probably very mysterious, uh, uh, but it was normal. Like notice in, in the passages I read, and if you, you, know, you can go through the New Testament, the thing that amazes me is, uh, and that really points to the fact that it was normal to them, is there's nowhere around when it said the Holy Spirit led or the Holy Spirit said, there's no scripture that says, and oh my gosh, I couldn't believe that the Holy Spirit spoke to us. Like, I couldn't believe that the Holy Spirit led us. Like, are you kidding me? Like, there's nowhere that says that because it was normal to them. But here's, the, here's a key for us. It was normal to them because it was expected. They expected it. Look, look at this equation. Expectation plus awareness equals experience. See, you know this. If you're expecting, if you're expecting something, that means your senses are tuned into that thing. Right? You, and, and because your senses are tuned in, your awareness just goes way up. Right? It's like on 11. Your awareness is up. And because your awareness is up, that means then that your chances, in this case with the Holy Spirit, your chances of experiencing, of tuning into what the Holy Spirit is, is doing, is saying, it just goes up and up and understand like 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 in what i'm saying today um like re- we need to remember that this what i'm saying it's god's idea like i'm not talking about this is like some pentecostal thing or some charismatic thing or this is all some weird vineyard thing hearing god's voice being led by the spirit well no it's plainly clearly this is god's idea This is what God is inviting every follower of him into, this kind of a relationship with the Holy Spirit. So final point, Uh, the Holy Spirit, a lifelong friendship. You know, I, I am convinced that one of the reasons that we struggle with this, that we miss out on what I'm talking about today, is, let's be honest, is that we really don't expect this to happen as we go about our day to day lives. Like, I shared this a couple weeks ago that, uh, you know, I was raised in the church like many of you, and uh, I grew up uh, with zero expectation of hearing the voice of God or really interacting with God at all. Like, you know, I, I, was, I was raised in the church, so I, I, I was taught to read my Bible. I'm so grateful for that. And so I'm familiar with all the wonderful stories from cover to cover where God speaks to men and women. And I can remember as a kid thinking, oh, man, that must have been so cool, right? But, but as I thought that, along with that thought was, uh, but that's not for me. Like, who else would say that was your, that was your understanding, that it just wasn't for you? It's a real hand-raising day today at the vineyard. But, but it wasn't until my teen years that someone told me, no, 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 wait a minute. What you read in the Bible, that wasn't just for them. But that is also for me. And it, and it is also for, for you. Like, like in describing himself, Jesus talks about himself as the great shepherd. He says this in John 10. He says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, for him being Jesus, the shepherd, and the sheep listen to his voice. His call, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his 
choice. That's what we're invited into. And one of the consequences of sin poisoning humanity, poisoning our hearts, our minds, is that we have forgotten what the voice of God sounds like. Like we're really good at hearing condemning, uh, uh, you know, criticizing voices. We're really good at that. But, but we aren't as good at hearing the kind, guiding, life-giving truth of, of the Father's, of the Father's voice. And, you know, in my teen years when someone told me, hey, that's not just for them, that's also for you, uh, it really started a process in my life that I realize now it will be a lifelong process. It's really like stepping onto a new path, and it's a, it's a lifelong path of learning how to recognize, respond to, and, uh, you know, to, and to hear the Holy Spirit. And that's like 36 years ago for me and, and, and that I started down that path of just learning to hear His voice, uh, learning to tune into the leading of the Holy Spirit, and I would say that His voice really has become clearer and clearer. I have a long, long ways to go, but it definitely has become clear. So uh, let me end with this. Why don't we have the worship team come on up? It's like this. Let me end with this, with this picture. Um, there they are. You know, when I think about what I'm talking about today, uh, my thoughts went to my wife, Helen. Helen and I have been married just over 34 years, and when we were first married, uh, it would have been hard for me to pick her voice out of a, a crowded room. Like, I went, oh, I think, uh, no. But now, now in a very noisy room, when I hear, Michael, Michael, I'm like, do I go towards her or away from her? But I, but I, <laughs> that's being honest. But I, but her voice is so familiar to me. But, but it's way more than that. Over the years, 34 plus years of being together, of struggling together, of going through highs and lows, of falling more in love with each other, now I find I sometimes finish her sentences. I find uh, sometimes I know what she's going to say before she even says it, just you know, based on the context that we're in. Or there's even times where I look at her face and I know, I know what she's thinking. See, uh, there is an intimate familiarity that only comes with time, with time together. And, and it's true within, within human relationships, but it's also true with a, re- with a relationship with God. It just takes time to walk with Him, to learn how to recognize His voice, to learn how He, how he speaks with you. And so, so as, we, as I end off, as we go back into worship, I, I feel today that there are people here in the room that... that you're one of those people who have never expected that God would want to communicate like that with you in this life. And for you today, God is saying, hey, come on, son, come on, daughter, I want to invite you uh, on this path. Let's start walking down this path uh, together where you're going to grow and you're going to learn uh, to, in your sensitivity and familiarity. And I think there's also some people in the room that, that he's wanting to encourage you to stay in the process. Right? This is what I've said today is not new to you. Uh, but if you were honest, you would say that his voice has really been drowned out by a lot of other voices. And, and really, this is the invitation of the Lord. Psalm 32, 8, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Don't be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. And what I see in that is the invitation of God to us as humans. Almighty God saying, I want to do this thing called life with you. Like, let's do it together. Do you want to do it together? And so why don't we stand up as we go back into worship. I want to encourage us, those three words, that equation, 
expectation plus awareness equals experience, I want to encourage you to ask the Lord, which one of those three, which one of those three are you focusing in for me that you want me to lean into? Expectation, awareness, or experience? Ask them. So we're going to worship. If you've got communion elements, feel free to take communion on your own. If not, they're at the front and the back. Uh, but then uh, um, if you get a sense from the Lord, a picture, a scripture, something you feel might be for the room, come on over here where uh, Andrew and I will be, but, uh, but let's worship. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.